Chapter Four of Born to Serve. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Born to Serve by Charles Manuel Sheldon. Chapter Four To Be of Use in the World. When Barbara started that afternoon with Mrs. Ward for Mrs. Vane's to meet with her in the first conference, she had no plan of any kind worked out, even in the vaguest outline. She had told Mrs. Ward what Mrs. Vane had said before, and asked her whether she was willing to go with her. Mrs. Ward was very willing, and Barbara gave her credit for being as much interested as any woman might be expected to be in anything that was not even thought out far enough to be rightly called a conference. Mrs. Vane met them with her usual bright greeting, and again Barbara felt the sharpness of her look. I've asked Hilda to come in for a little while this afternoon. She doesn't want to stay very long, and I had rather hard work to persuade her to come at all. She's shy. Mrs. Ward, how's your headache? Or maybe this isn't your day for having one. I don't wonder your girls have trouble with you. You're so nervous with your headaches that I wouldn't venture to work for you short of ten dollars a week in advance. I wonder Miss Clark has stayed as long as she has. All this the old lady said with astonishing rapidity and a frankness that amazed Barbara and made Mrs. Ward laugh. Miss Clark is learning to put up with me, I think, Mrs. Ward said with a kindly look at Barbara, who was pleased. Oh, I should think so, said Mrs. Vane, looking sharply from one to the other. You don't either of you have many grievances, I imagine. Sit right there, Hilda, she exclaimed, as the girl Barbara had met on Sunday came into the room. You remember Mrs. Ward and Miss Clark, Hilda? We met them last Sunday. Hilda sat down awkwardly in the seat indicated by Mrs. Vane, and there was a moment of embarrassed silence. Hilda was dressed to go out, and Barbara could not help wondering how far the girl understood what the meeting was about. She began to feel a little angry at Mrs. Vane, without knowing just why, when that good woman very frankly cut across the lots of all preliminaries by saying, Now then, Hilda, you know well enough what I asked you to come in for. We want to make a beginning of some sort at helping the girls who are out at service realize what their work means and what they are worth to a family and all that. Hilda looked embarrassed and said nothing. Barbara came to the rescue. Don't you think the first thing we need to do is to settle on some really simple plan by which we can reach all the girls and let them know what we propose to do? You never can do it, Mrs. Wood spoke with some emphasis. It has been tried before by Mrs. Rice and one or two others. The fact is, the girls do not care to meet together for any such purpose. Mrs. Wood is right and wrong, both, Mrs. Vane said. I'm not going to discourage you, but you have set out on as hard a task as ever body undertook. The very people you want to help are the very ones who don't want you bothering around. Then perhaps we had better start with the housekeepers first, replied Barbara, feeling conscious of the bigness and badness of the dragon as never before. If you and Mrs. Ward and three or four more could— But we have no plan, Mrs. Ward spoke up rather quickly. You will simply find that the women of Crawford face the question without any ideas about it. We all agree that, with rare exceptions, the help we generally get is incompetent and unsatisfactory and not to be depended on for any length of time, and that's about all we are agreed upon. 
Mrs. Vane looked sharply at Barbara and then at Hilda. Hilda, she said sharply, but at the same time not unkindly. Tell us what you think. What's the matter with all you girls? What's the reason you aren't all full-grown angels like us housekeepers? Barbara could not help smiling, although she had been sitting so far with a growing feeling of discouragement. As for Hilda, she had evidently been long enough with Mrs. Vane to be used to her queer ways, and was not disturbed by her eccentricities. She shuffled her feet uneasily on the carpet and dug the point of a very bright red parasol into a corner of a rug. I don't know, Mrs. Vane, she finally said slowly. I have no complaint to make. No, but I have. Now you know, Hilda, you didn't have to do your work right this morning, and— if i hadn't come out into the kitchen the pudding mr vane likes would have been burned to a crisp wouldn't it yes ma'am hilda answered her face rivaling in colour her parasol and yet you had the clock there before you as plain as day what were you thinking of i can't always be thinking of a pudding hilda replied with more spirit than barbara had yet seen in her there my child mrs vane said gently without a particle of impatience or ill-nature I don't blame you much. I have let puddings burn myself when I was a bride beginning housekeeping for Mr. Vane. We must make allowances for human nature that can't always be thinking of puddings. At the same time, said Mrs. Ward with a trace of impatience in her tone, somebody must think of puddings while they are baking. We can't be excusing human nature all the time for carelessness and lack of attention to the details of service. I think one great cause of all the trouble we meet in the whole problem is the lack of responsibility our servants take upon themselves. Out of a dozen girls that have been in my house within the last three years, not more than two or three could be trusted to wash my dishes properly. What can a woman do when, after repeated instructions and admonitions, her girls persist in using dirty dishwater and putting things away on the shelves only half wiped? We can't always be excusing them on account of human nature. It may sound absurd, but I have gone to bed downright sick many a time because my girl would persist in putting dirty dishes back into the pantry. And poor Mrs. Ward heaved a sigh as she looked at Mrs. Vane, who sat erect and sharp-eyed before her. That's it, she said sharply. Responsibility. That's the word. But how get responsibility into a class of people who have no common bond of sympathy or duty, no esprit de corps? The responsibility must grow out of a sense of dignity that belongs to the service. As long as the service is regarded by those who perform it as menial and degrading, the only thing we can expect is shiftlessness and all lack of responsibility. Responsibility generally goes with a sense of ownership, suggested Barbara, but I don't see how anything like ownership can be grafted upon a servant girl's work. Now, I wouldn't dare leave dishes dirty because of my mother's training, no matter whose dishes they were but I can easily see it is not very strange for a girl to slight any work in which she does not feel any ownership. There's another thing, Mrs. Vane said. I've told Mrs. Ward so several times. She has always had a good deal of company, and five in the family anyway a good deal of the time. She ought not to expect to get along with just one girl. At the close of a big supper it is almost half-past seven. The quickest girl can't wash up all the dishes properly in less than half an hour. If she wants to go out somewhere in the evening, what is more natural than for her to do the work in a hurry? She has been at work all day since half-past six. 
she works longer hours and for less pay than young men in stores get for clerk service that is not so important by half as the housework for a family now i warrant that mr ward pays some of his clerks downtown three times what he pays the girl at home for almost twice the hours of labor wouldn't it be better and cheaper in the long run mrs ward to hire two persons to do your work at least for a part of the time i'm inclined to think a good many of us expect too much of one girl we work them too many hours and we ought to remember that for most of the time the work really is what must be called drudgery one girl in the house almost kills me two would complete the business i am sure said mrs ward smiling at barbara some of what you say is very true but i am sure mr ward would never think of giving as much for the work in the home as he gives for clerk work in the store and why not if the service performed is as severe and more than that as important to your peace and comfort and his own as well when he gets home i know a good many farmers who think nothing of paying out several hundred dollars every year on improved machinery to lighten their own labor on their farm but they think the wives are crazy if they ask for an improved washing machine that costs twenty-five dollars or a few kitchen utensils of the latest style to save labor that's one reason so many farmers wives are crazy over in crawford county asylum men expect to pay a good price for competent service in their business why should they expect to get competent servants in the house for the price generally offered i don't think it's the price that keeps competent girls away from housework mrs vane remarked barbara i have figured it out that even on four dollars a week at mrs wood's i can save more than i could possibly save if i worked for bondmen at five or even six paying out of that for board lodging and washing if the price paid for competent servants was raised in crawford to ten dollars a week i doubt if the girls now in the stores and factories would leave the positions to enter house service i believe they would a good many of them anyway mrs vane replied with vigor you can get almost anything if you pay for it but we must remember mrs vane that the great majority of families in crawford cannot afford to pay such prices for house help you have no idea how much trouble i am in for paying my girls four or four and a half a week my neighbors who say they cannot afford that much tell me the girls become dissatisfied when they learn what we pay and very often leave because i pay my girls more than other housekeepers the whole question has as many sides to it as a ball ejaculated mrs vane rubbing her nose vigorously i think i shall finally go back to the old primitive way of doing my own work living on two meals a day and washing the dishes once you needn't stay any longer hilda if you want to go hilda who had given signs of being in a hurry rose and walked toward the door barbara also got up and somewhat to mrs vane's surprise said i think i'll go too i'll walk along downtown with you hilda if you don't mind hilda nodded and barbara was not quite sure that she was pleased to have her company but barbara had been thinking of a plan and she needed to be with hilda a little while in order to carry it out so the two went away together they had walked down the street half a block when in answer to a question hilda said she was planning to do some shopping let me go too are you willing i don't mind said hilda but with a note of hesitation that barbara could not help remarking they went into several of the smaller stores where both of them purchased one or two small articles and finally entered the great store of bondmen's hilda knew one of the girls in this store and as they stood by her counter she introduced barbara the girl behind the counter stared hard at barbara but returned her greeting civilly enough 
and then began to giggle and whisper with Hilda. Hilda seemed nervous, and repeatedly looked at Barbara as if she were in the way, and Barbara, thinking the others might have some secrets, walked over to the opposite counter. She had been there only a minute when a young man sauntered up to Hilda and the friend behind the counter, and all three began to talk together. He was not a bad-looking fellow, but Barbara quickly put him down as of that class of weak-headed youths who might be seen almost any Sunday evening walking down the main street of Crawford in company with one or more factory girls. This time, Barbara did not attempt to avoid watching Hilda. A floor-walker in the store, going by at the same time, glanced sharply at the young man, but he was apparently buying something. The floor-walker turned at the end of the counter and came back and this time he looked longer at the two girls and finally beckoned to the one behind the counter. She turned very red and came over to where he stood. He whispered something to her that made her turn pale, and instantly she went back and completed the sale of some little articles that Hilda had bought, giving the floor-walker, as she did so, several hateful looks. Hilda and the young man continued to talk together while waiting for the change. When it came, he seemed to hesitate and finally looked over at Barbara. Hilda said something, and he answered and walked slowly out of the store. Barbara came over, and Hilda picked up her purchases. Are you ready? Yes, Hilda said shortly, and after a word from the girl behind the counter, they went out. They walked along for some distance, and then Barbara ventured to say, Why didn't you introduce me to your young gentleman friend? Hilda colored deeply as she answered slowly. I didn't suppose you would care to know him. Why not? Well, you're not really one of us, said Hilda, looking sideways at Barbara. Barbara could not help smiling. How not one of you? Mrs. Vane told me you're not really working out. What am I doing then? I don't know, replied Hilda hopelessly, and then was silent. Barbara made her decision rapidly. But I'm walking out just as much as you are, Hilda. What is the difference? You're educated, said Hilda shortly. But that has nothing to do with the fact of my being a servant in Mrs. Ward's house. I want to be friends with you, Hilda. Aren't you willing? I don't mind, Hilda answered in a tone that Barbara did not think very encouraging. They walked on a distance without speaking. Then Barbara became conscious that across the street, Nearly opposite, the young man who had come into the store was walking, and Hilda knew it as well. Barbara looked at the girl again, and the look determined her next question, even at the risk of losing what little hold she might have on Hilda. I am going to turn down here to Mrs. Ward's, she said as they reached a corner and stopped. As they stopped, Barbara saw the young man linger and finally stop in his course. I hope you won't misunderstand me, Barbara continued, looking into Hilda's face with great frankness. But does your young gentleman friend visit you frequently at Mrs. Vane's? Hilda turned red, and at first Barbara thought she was about to give an angry reply. Instead of that, she began to laugh a little. Yes, he calls sometimes. He's in the packing house on night force. Barbara looked at Hilda earnestly a moment, then abruptly turned, saying goodbye as she left. She did not look back, but was as certain as if she had that the young man had instantly crossed the street and joined Hilda. In what business is it of mine if he has? Barbara vexed herself with the question as she walked along. 
I am glad she said he called. Mrs. Vane must know it. What business is it of mine if the girl meets him this way? He probably has very little other time. Shall a girl out at service have no society, no company? Oh, the whole thing is of a miserable piece with an entire miserable condition of service. What is to prevent girls like Hilda throwing themselves away on young men like this one? And who is either to blame her, or care one way or the other if she does? And what possible prospect is there for me, or any one, to change the present condition of things? Barbara walked slowly back to her work, depressed by the events of the afternoon. What indeed could she do, if, as Mrs. Vane said, the very people that needed to be helped into better ways of living did not care to be helped? If, like Hilda, they saw no farther and cared no more for better things than the little episode of the store and the young man suggested. She felt so helpless in view of future progress that when she went up to her room that evening, she was in great need of comfort, and in her search for the passages having servants in mind, she came upon that one in Titus, second chapter, ninth verse exhort servants to be in subjection to their own masters and to be well-pleasing to them in all things not gainsaying not purloining but showing all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of god our saviour in all things i don't think there's any danger of my purloining barbara said smiling a little although i have sometimes been tempted to do a little gainsaying especially when mrs ward has one of her severe headaches I really believe I have tried to be well-pleasing and also establish a reputation for good fidelity. But that is a wonderful end to the exhortation, that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Saviour in all things. If a servant, a slave in Paul's time, could go on serving with that end in view, what shall I say of myself? Is my service of such a character that it adorns like a jewel that which in itself is a jewel to begin with? the doctrine of god our saviour this is a high standard for a hired girl barbara if you live up to it it will keep you busy she offered her prayer with great earnestness that she might have the leading of the spirit of flight and in her prayer she remembered hilda fearing she knew not what for the girl realizing as she never before had realized the many dangers that face working girls in large cities and realizing too that if she accomplished any great things as she sometimes dreamed she might it must be done by the aid of a power greater than her own for never before had she felt her own human weakness so strongly for the next three weeks the days went by in an ordinary way for barbara but when she had time to reflect on them she acknowledged that they had contained important events for her it is because we are not able to see the bearing of what occurs day by day upon the entire program of life that very often we do not count each day's sum as a part of the sum total barbara had been unusually confined to the housework mrs ward had been again subject to an attack of nervous headache and the whole of the care had been thrown upon barbara mrs ward had now learned to trust her implicitly this did not mean that the sharpness of her manner under stress of her headaches had entirely disappeared but barbara had learned almost perfectly how to anticipate her wishes and the girl's great love for carl and his complete trust in her together with barbara's cheerful competent handling of the entire kitchen had all united to capture mrs ward's affections she was content even in her enforced idleness 
to lie still with her pain and indulge in a great feeling of thankfulness for such a treasure in the house she was talking of it one evening with her husband do you realize richard what a prize we have in barbara she is certainly a remarkable girl the most competent servant we ever had in the house isn't she without any comparison and i want you to build that room as soon as you can mrs ward had mentioned the matter of the room over the kitchen and he had agreed that it was not suitable for a girl like barbara or any other girl richard mrs ward had said yes i'll have a carpenter come right up and look over the house we shall have to raise the roof over the kitchen why can't we at the same time enlarge the kitchen so that barbara can have a corner of that carpeted off for her own when she does not want to run upstairs i saw mrs rice's kitchen the other day it is unusually large one end of it is neatly fitted up with a table for books or sewing material several comfortable chairs and pictures on the walls a very cosy comfortable corner where her girl can receive her company or sit down to read or rest but barbara never has any company does she mr ward asked with a little amusement at the look his wife gave him she hasn't any bows as all her other girls have had no mrs ward answered thoughtfully but well what if she had we would ask her to invite them into the parlor of course we can't expect a girl as attractive as barbara is to go through life without attracting someone unless her place as a servant began mr ward but why should that make any difference mrs ward asked irritated by the suggestion oh dear don't suggest my losing barbara whoever gets her for his wife will get a perfect housekeeper and a rare sweet girl in every way but we shall lose the best servant we ever had and then our troubles begin again mr richard ward mr ward was silent a while and then he asked about barbara's plans for solving the servant question i don't think she's done anything lately i know she hasn't mrs vane sent over the other day to inquire when she was coming to see her again my illness has kept barbara very close to the house lately if barbara had heard this talk it might have encouraged her to confide in mrs ward about a matter which had begun to trouble her somewhat and that matter was no less than the action of her own son alfred ward it was now nearing the end of the college vacation and the young man would soon be starting back to college to enter on his senior year during the weeks he had been at home he had spent a great deal of the time about the house he was behind in two of his studies and was working a little to make up one day barbara while at work in the dining-room heard him wrestling with a german sentence in faust he seemed to be unable to render it into good english and barbara naturally began to translate it for him without looking at the book isn't this the meaning she said and then gave a very good interpretation alfred listening as he lounged on the sofa book in hand of course tis that's just it what a numbskull i must be wish you'd translate the whole thing for me the college youth ventured to hint thank you no sir i have other work to do barbara had laughed but from that little incident she began to note little irritating attentions paid to her at first insignificant but the last few days before the young man departed for college they were unmistakable and barbara was annoyed and even angered she was really much relieved when he had gone but that experience was not at all to be compared with the discovery she made as to alfred's habits and it was a matter of regret to her afterward that she did not inform mrs ward of it it was the fact that several times she felt certain the young man had been drinking she had never known him to be intoxicated 
but she was sure he had more than once been dangerously near it and it was a matter of surprise to her that mr and mrs ward seemed so indifferent to it oh dear barbara sighed as she went the rounds of her daily task carrying this added burden of knowledge is there no family without its skeleton ought i to drag it out for their inspection if they don't know of its existence it hardly seems to be my business and they must be blind not to have noticed as much as has been apparent even to a servant it was a week after alfred's departure that mr ward announced the news of mr morton's acceptance of his call to marble square church it was in the evening after the supper work was all done and barbara as her custom had been for several days during the remodelling of her room was seated with the family in the dining-room which was also the favourite living-room helping mrs ward on some sewing lewis and george were reading and carl was playing on the floor near barbara i have morton's letter of acceptance martha as chairman of the supply committee it came to me to-day it is a good thing for marble square church the people had sense enough to call him without going through a long course of candidating when is he coming mrs ward asked two weeks from next sunday the church at carlton released him under special conditions because they could get a man at once to fill his place we're fortunate to get a man like morton he has a future barbara made me a gingerbread man once and we called it mr morton didn't we barbara carl spoke up suddenly after an absorbed silence during which he was apparently not listening to a syllable that was being said where's mr morton going to stay mrs ward asked i don't know yet i wrote him that we would be delighted to take him in here but we didn't have the room and i told barbara carl broke in as if nothing had been said since he spoke last that i thought the gingerbread man looked just like mr morton and she said she thought it didn't i wish mr morton would come here to live don't you barbara wouldn't that be fine barbara did not answer and carl got up off the floor and went over to her and pulled her work out of her hands carl carl you mustn't do that his mother exclaimed say barbara don't you carl persisted don't ask so many questions replied barbara almost sharply i haven't asked many carl pouted but he went back to his game on the floor wondering in his childhood mind what made the usually gentle barbara so cross i think the braves can take him in i hope they can it's so nearby that we can have him with us often we'll be right on his way to church and back mr ward remarked as he settled himself to the reading of the evening paper while her room was in process of reconstruction barbara had been going home to stay with her mother mrs clark was only partly reconciled to barbara's choice of a career and when this particular night after the news of mr morton's coming barbara arrived quite early having excused herself soon on the plea of being very tired mrs clark noted the signs of trouble in barbara's face and instantly questioned her about it your work is too hard too confining my dear it is not at all the work for such a girl as you are barbara it will kill you no mother i don't think it will barbara replied bravely but i don't see what good it is doing to any one you are just slaving yourself to death like any ordinary servant your talents as a teacher are wasted your social position is gone you have buried yourself in a kitchen of what use is it you might be in the world like other people with some opportunities to rise and make the most of yourself whereas now you are shut out from all the ordinary social ambitions and accomplishments of other girls mother don't please cried barbara 
and then to her mother's surprise she suddenly broke down and began to cry softly there i told you so you are all worn out said her mother coming to her and putting a loving arm about her no mother i'm not very tired in body i'm just a little bit discouraged to-night barbara declared and after a few minutes crying with her head in her mother's lap she began to talk cheerfully of her plans she was going to see mrs vane again she thought she could in a little time get hilda interested and add one or two more to the inner circle they were very kind to her at the wards it was very much like home there they were making a new room for her and enlarging her kitchen barbara spoke of this last with playful reference to a laughing remark mrs wood had made while talking of the enlargement of the kitchen you can set apart this new corner for company unless you will use the parlor when your beaux come to call i don't think i shall ever need it mother you are all the beau i want added barbara gaily her mother shook her head what company can you ever have barbara you have forfeited all expectation of it by putting yourself into your present position you are so situated that neither your inferiors nor your equals can meet with you socially there is an impassable gulf between you and the young people of your own degree of education and refinement not necessarily mother barbara stoutly protested perhaps a little unconsciously she was trying to give herself some hope any one for whom i might care as a friend in the social world will not be influenced by my position they couldn't help it much as they might not wish to mrs ward is powerless mrs vane with all her wealth and influence is powerless to give you any real standing in society try it and see i will replied barbara as the plan occurred to her but mother why should i be shut out of any society i might choose to enter simply because i am doing good honest useful labor with my hands i do not think you ought to be shut out of course we have gone over the ground a hundred times but your position does shut you out it is not a question of ought but it does any one i might care for would not regard my position said barbara stoutly nevertheless barbara you know as well as any one that because you are a hired girl in mrs ward's house you do not have the place in society that you would have if you taught school in crawford why even in the church it is clearly a fact that you cannot get the recognition that you would get if you were doing something else don't you yourself see that plainly enough barbara was silent she was going over in memory the last few sundays at marble square church since that first sunday when she had gone with mrs ward she had been every week except one she would have been a very stupid girl if she had not noticed the difference between her reception by different ladies in the church and that given other young women a few women to whom mrs ward had warmly introduced her had treated her in every respect like any one else with neither a patronizing nor a hypocritical manner she had been invited into a bible class by the superintendent of the sunday school and had been welcomed without any notice taken of her position but as the weeks went by she was simply ignored by the majority of people to whom mrs ward had introduced her one invitation from a warm-hearted member of the class she had accepted to take tea at her house but her reception by other young ladies who met her there was not such as to encourage her to go again as far as the church was concerned she found herself simply passed by there was no uncivil or coarse contempt of her there was simply an ignoring of her as a part of the marble square congregation for various reasons she had not yet gone to the endeavor society it met on sunday night before the preaching service 
and so far she had reserved her sunday nights as sacred to her mother and did not feel able to go out i acknowledge what you say about the church mother but i may be partly to blame for it myself i don't think the best people in marble square church think any the less of me for working as a servant maybe not and yet even the best people are almost unconsciously influenced by social habits and traditions why even the minister is influenced by them this new young man mr mr what is his name morton said barbara colouring but her mother did not notice as her eyes were very poor at night this mr morton according to mrs vane is a remarkably good and sensible and talented young man but if you were to join his church and become a worker there you could not expect him to ignore the fact that you were a servant girl he could not even forget that fact when he was speaking to you i don't know why barbara exclaimed almost sharply i only used him as an illustration of any educated christian gentleman anywhere said mrs clark looking somewhat surprised at barbara's exclamation a christian gentleman replied barbara in a low tone would not make any distinction between a servant girl and a school-teacher mrs clark sighed it is useless for me to argue with you barbara you will probably learn all the bitterness of your position by painful facts all the theories of social equality are beautiful but very few of them amount to anything in the real world of society i don't care for society exclaimed barbara that is for society represented by wealth and fashion but i don't believe any real christian will ever make any cruel or false distinction between different kinds of labour it isn't that altogether mrs clark wearily said as if too tired to continue it's a difference in social instincts and social feelings that separates people you will find it out from experience in time i'm afraid when barbara went back to her work the next morning it was with a resolution to do something that perhaps the talk with her mother had suggested in the afternoon she asked mrs ward for leave to go and see mrs vane and it was readily granted when she knocked at the door and mrs vane heartily bade her enter she was more excited than she had been in a long time i want you to help me make a test mrs vane barbara said as the old lady sat erect confronting her and looking straight at her with those terrible eyes barbara however did not fear them she understood the character of mrs vane thoroughly tell me about it dear said mrs vane barbara went on calming her excitement but not her interest when she was through mrs vane said i am perfectly willing my dear but i think i know how it will all come out beforehand but i want to prove it for myself very well mrs vane replied with the nearest approach to a sigh that barbara had ever heard her utter and barbara finally departed to her work if she had realized what results would follow the test mrs vane was going to make for her she could not have walked back so calmly End of chapter four